Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Sisu makes the thinnest, most lightweight, durable mouthguard ever invented. If you do a high-impact sport or activity, you're doing yourself a disservice by not getting more protection, less mouthguard with a Sisu Mouthguard. Head on over to sisuguard.com. You're going to like the way we mouthguard, I guarantee it. And we are brought to you by Band Coffee. Band Coffee has three times the amount of caffeine than energy drinks. It's got a great taste. A fun aroma, it's strong, it's smooth, and it's full of vitamins and minerals. Head on over to bandcoffee.com, enter in promo code TOPTURTLEMMA, all one word. Get yourself a 20% discount. If you do things during your day, like go to work, do a high-impact sport or activity, you probably need a boost. Band Coffee is the way to go. It has the most caffeine out of any coffee on the planet. So good, it should be banned. Band Coffee and Sisu Mouthguards brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We are rolling. I am David Tremonti, joined by my co-host Daniel Gumby Breland. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. Thank you so much for listening. FlowCombat.com is the mothership. We, of course, are available there, but also TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, really wherever a podcast can be streamed, we be there. One of the things we pride ourselves on is just getting right into talking about fights, and that's what we're going to do right now, because just this past weekend, Holly Holm, question mark, kicked Betchkaya's head. Holly got the KO victory. Gumby, what did you think of it? I think... I think Betch got exactly what was coming to her. You don't look at one of the, the maybe one of the best kickboxers in the women's divisions and uh, and tell her to kick you or hit you. I, I mean, she was noticeably docile in the way that she was doing things, and then you goaded her into kicking you in the head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Betch, listen, she got nine hundred thousand buys on the pay per view against <laughs> yeah, Ronda Rousey. She, she got that right, <laughs> right. But uh, you know, when it comes to being a brainiac, I never really accused her of being such. I think Betch is a middling fighter in that division. I think Holly is towards the top tier, and this was exactly the outcome I was expecting. I thought Betch would charge in a little more. I actually, I'm surprised that. I- outcome didn't happen in the first round i think i think you're 100 percent right on that i expected her to charge in more she looked like she was gonna counter strike but how, how do you counter strike somebody who's that much longer than you you know what i mean because like holly is noticeably longer in the first place like she's got way more reach and in addition she fights longer because she uses all of her kicks I mean, Betch needs to be on the inside. You're not going to counter-strike somebody who's that much larger than you. I really want to go back and watch Holly Holmes' UFC debut because it was against Rocky Pennington, right? And I thought Rocky did a good job of getting inside on her, if I'm not mistaken. Took maybe one round off of her. Yeah. It, but that might be a fight we see, and that's my next question to you. What does Holly Holm do next? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Raquel Pennington makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, there, there's very, very, very strong rumors in the... Uh, in the media right now about Megan Anderson versus Cyborg for the vacated 145 title. I mean, you could put Holly in with the winner of that. I mean, that's the fight they wanted anyway, right? They wanted Cyborg versus Holly. Yes. So if if Cyborg gets through Megan Anderson kind of unscathed, maybe you bump her back up to 45 and give her a shot at the title again since Duranda means out of there. Since uh, Rocky Pennington lost to Holly Holm via split decision in February of 2015, she's reeled off four wins in a row, including wins over Batch, uh, Jessica Andrade, who then moved down, Elizabeth Phillips, and Misha Tate. Yeah, that's a hell of a resume, right? Um, what did you make of the card as a whole? What fights did you really enjoy? What's a fighter? Maybe someone should go back and watch their performance. So I, 
I kind of like the main card, but in general, it was a little bit of a letdown. I mean, RDA did exactly what I thought RDA was going to do, and Colby Covington did exactly what I expected Colby Covington to do. So RDA took a unanimous decision victory over Tarek Safadine in his welterweight debut. And only one judge gave Tarek one round. And Colby Covington out-wrestled uh, Kim. Yeah, in, in 30-25, for... 30-26, 30-27. So one judge had it. Two 10-8 rounds. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for Covington, he's someone... The fans kind of started to boo during that performance. Being a grappling nerd myself, I appreciated the effort. It was masterful. I, I thought so. I, I mean, like, it, it, you're right. It wasn't fun to watch. Even as a grappling nerd, it wasn't fun to watch. But you had to be fucking damn impressed with the way that he wrestled up a hell of a judica. All right. Now, the card as a whole, UFC Singapore, was on Fight Pass. I'm sure, like, 13 people watched it. It was at 4 a.m. But it got 8,000 spectators uh, for a gate of just over a million uh, in Singapore dollars. Uh, I'm not going to look up the conversion rate right now, but by all accounts, this was a successful card. Singapore could be a nice market for the UFC. We, of course, have two Scottish fighters on the show today. We have Stevie Ray and Paul Craig. Is Singapore a market the UFC would go back to soon, you think? Is this going to be a yearly tradition or no? I would say it's definitely not a yearly tradition, but that's certainly uh, an area that they could go back to, right? Because there is... You know, a history of traditional martial arts out that way. But the MMA side of things has not caught up with the rest of the world. What do you mean by that? So, I mean, like, in, in the Philippines, in, in Singapore, you know, what you see from the mixed martial arts they're signing, they're not UFC caliber yet for most of them. Oh, the fighters from that region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so their MMA side of things is not caught up yet, but the fan side of things seems to be there. Okay, so if you work for the UFC in their emerging markets department, where do you see the biggest growth coming from the next few years? What markets would you be targeting? Uh, and let's just say it like this. Brazil is probably the second it, biggest it's market. Ar- it's already there, yeah. Canada, when GSP is around and when they decide to run it, is a very strong market. And they've done a wonderful job with the Australia-New Zealand market. That's a yearly market for them. And then, of course, uh, Great Britain. Yeah. What... What else? Where else would you target? I mean, I feel like we've we've said this for a long ass time, but the the Russian market is largely untapped. I think that that's a huge piece. Dana and Uncle Ari went there last year for some sort of business meeting. Nothing ever came from it. Uh, you know, obviously they could run a show headlined by Habib. Yeah, and and so there, there's lots of potential there, and there's tons of Russian MMA fighters too. It's not not just Habib, but there, there's a lot of options there. The the other one we we haven't really talked about is is Poland. Um, you know they went there once. Was it once so far? Maybe twice. Um, and it seems like they just haven't gone back. I think the presence of KSW there o- almost scares them away. KSW, a local Polish promotion that just drew fifty eight thousand fans. Yeah, fifty eight thousand fans. In in their they pay their fighters so well because they can get fifty eight thousand people in the door. I mean that's not their every single show numbers. That's like a historic show, but. They get so many fans in the door that they're paying their fighters well, and their top guys have no interest in going to the UFC because it's almost like its own brand there. The UFC last ran Poland, if the intern stats are right here, in 2015, it was Gonzaga versus Krokop 2 with a 10,000 attendance for a gate of 720,000 U.S. dollars. Yeah, so so not all that exciting, but they they do have a couple of stars there in uh, Carolina Kowalkiewicz, Ioanni Andrzejczyk, Marcin Tybura yesterday with a big win over Andrzej Arlowski. He's probably a top 10 heavyweight now 
Absolutely. And then obviously the one I was going to bring up, uh, Poland's a good one. I was going to say, and I know it's really tough for American businesses to crack mainland China, but obviously China is on everyone's mind. Yeah, and in, in, in with Li Jiangling uh, having a hell of a win over Frank Camacho in a really exciting fight, he's 5-2. and two. He could be the UFC's kind of gateway into China. I mean, he's welterweight in a very tough division. Five and two in the UFC at welterweight is almost like being like one in one in any other division. So he's he could be the way in there because he's super marketable and he's fun to watch. Taking it back a step on October 21st of this year, the UFC will go back to Poland. Now, does Joanna have a fight scheduled? She does not she does yet, not right? Yet. Rumors of Rose. So, so it could be her and Rose there. If they Now, that'll probably be like a fight night, I would imagine. So yeah, I don't know it might if they be would be Fox Sports 1 or Fight Pass. But I, I feel like they wouldn't put Joanna back on Fight Pass. I agree. She's a proven commodity. She, at this I, point. I think she's graduated to pay per view at this point. She just co main evented UFC 205 with Connor. So could it be a Fight Pass show headlined by Corey? Walkowicz and Marcin Tybura. Something like that, right? Yeah, I, I'd see that as much more likely because it's probably going to be a smaller show. Now, what do you make of uh, Glasgow, which the UFC is going to in July? Well, I, I think what they're doing with Glasgow is they are actually putting a bunch of effort into making that a market. Because if you've looked, in, and you know, we talked to both the guys about this, if you look, they're doing tons of media around it with Stevie Ray, with Paul Craig, and with uh, Jojo Calderwood, which I mean, I think is the smart way to go there. Because even when they said they're doing marketing for, like, you know, boosting Ireland, all they did to boost Ireland was they fucking signed Conor McGregor and a bunch of his <laughs> boys and fell ass backwards into, like, the greatest promoter in history, right? Right, being like, Conor. They, they didn't put money into marketing Ireland unless you talk about how much they paid Conor. Uh, now, speaking of Conor, I think we actually have to bring up, and it's almost crazy that we've gone on the show nine minutes without saying Connor versus Floyd is happening. Your quick thoughts on that. I mean, uh, I uh, first of all apologize because I've been saying for about seven months that there's no way the fight happens. I didn't think both sides would ever agree to the right amount of money. Uh, but wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, my take is, is almost a moot point at this point because you've heard it from 750 different MMA pundits at this point. It's going down on August 26th. It's going to be 10-ounce gloves. It'll be at 154 pounds. I, you know, For me, I'll give a really quick and shitty take on it because I'm not a boxing expert, but I think... Connor could, you know, in those earlier rounds, maybe catch Floyd as Floyd is sort of trying to figure out his timing. Connor obviously has power, but so did Canelo Alvarez. I think Connor would have to be uh, almost dirty in this, uh, you know, kind of bully Mayweather and use his speed, not his speed, his size to his advantage. But yeah, he if, certainly doesn't have the speed. <laughs> he does not have the speed. But I think you're going to see a lot of Conor McGregor missing Floyd's head and maybe gassing himself out. I know it's completely different, but I think of Conor in the fifth round of the Nate Diaz fight, which did not have a lot of grappling in it, which was more of a striking contest. I think of Conor in the first Nate Diaz fight, obviously gassing. I just, that's my gut feeling, is yeah. that by rounds, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, you might see a very winded Conor going against the best boxer you know uh, maybe of all time yeah and it, it's nothing to say about connor's cardio because because connor does his cardio and Con connor has got a good gas tank but people underestimate how much energy goes into missing a punch and and to me i, I think that's the thing he's gonna miss so many power shots that he is just gonna be so freaking arm tired 
Yeah, so I also wanted to bring up with you, I thought some fun prop bets for this one, uh, and I'm pulling them up right now, but a draw is plus 3,300, it's 33 to 1, but the one I really liked was um, Mayweather by technical, or sorry, Mayweather by majority decision 28 to 1. That's majority decision though? Yeah. What is it by unanimous decision? Because I don't think one judge is going to give it... I get oh you know, it's seven to four seven to four so yeah. so that's probably much more likely the likelihood of one judge giving it to Connor is I, I think pretty slim I but I again like fifty bucks on that yeah, yeah. Fi- fifty bucks at twenty eight Sp- to one a split decision I don't think you're getting one judge to give it to Connor but that's twenty eight to one as well mm-hmm. uh, and then just Mayweather by KO is actually sitting at three to one I think the only way that happens is Connor just gasses himself out. yeah I, I don't see any likelihood of of either person and getting the KO, to be honest. McGregor by KO is 7-1. We all believe if McGregor were to win, it's going to be by KO. Yeah, yeah. We don't you, think it, he's going to like outbox Floyd if and you truly steal believe, rounds. Yeah, if you truly believe Connor's going to win, you might as well lay on KO and not decision, because there's no way he wins a decision unless Dana somehow bribed every single judge. All right, well, we figured there weren't enough opinions on Connor versus Floyd, <laughs> so we threw ours in there, but let's get back to emerging market talks, and I'll tell you what. Don't take our opinion on an emerging market like Scotland why don't we hear from Stevie Ray, who we had a chance to catch up with, and talk a little bit about his beef with Paul Craig, who we have on later in the show as well, two of the bigger Scottish fighters, obviously, in the UFC. So, our interview with Stevie Ray is brought to you by Band Coffee. Head on over to bandcoffee.com, enter in promo code TOPTURTLEMMA, all one word, get yourself 20% off. Band Coffee brings you our interview with UFC fighter Stevie Ray. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte with Flow Combat's Top Turtle MMA. And we have the pleasure of speaking to Stevie Ray, who fights Paul Felder at Ultimate Fight Night Glasgow on July 16th. Uh, Stevie, you've obviously got a, a solid record in the UFC. You're 5-1. and one, But it feels like after this last win with Joe Lozon that the media is finally realizing it. Have you felt more attention since that fight? I, 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 always, uh, I always feel like I get more more attention after my fights, like, in my town and stuff. But, yeah, from the, the media and stuff as well, I still feel like maybe I'm getting underestimated a little bit. Uh, but, you know, as long as, I'm, as long as I'm still winning the fights that Sean Shelby's putting in front of me, that's what matters to me. And, yeah, working my way closer to the top. You have trained out of Grip House out in uh, Scotland, but you've been spending some time at TriStar as well. Where's the prep going to be for this upcoming fight, seeing as it is going to be so close to home? Uh, my, yeah, well, basically my team is, uh, the team name's called Higher Level MMA. Um, we are associated with the Grip House. Um, technically, we're like, we're kind of called the Dinky Ninja Fight Team. Um, and we have we have like like three clubs. Um, we have the Grip House, we have higher level MMA, and we have a place called the D Unit. Um, and basically, that's three different gyms with like different coaches and stuff. Um, the main place that I train is at higher level MMA under uh, main MMA coach James Dillon. Um, yeah, and then I'm sometimes at the Grip House as well, uh, and it's basically doing like more stuff for James anyway, so. That, that's interesting. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, so that's where I'm doing my fight camp. The last few fights, I've just kind of kept them in Scotland, and uh, 
Yeah, it's been working. So I've, I have been wanting to go get back across the TriStar just to kind of get away again and be able to focus on some stuff. But I think I prefer going to TriStar when I'm not on tight cam. So just to kind of chill out a bit more and enjoy it. So you're training at like three or four different places. You know, I, we, we know Joe Calderwood is on uh, that same fight team typically. Do you too feel that traveling around and training at a bunch of different places has more benefits than having like one singular home base? Because the, the trend seems to be people looking for that one strong home base recently. Yeah, well, no, all my training happens at higher level MMA apart because sometimes I'm, I'm in a, the grip house gym buzz. It's like this, it's the same team. Um, it's not like it's a different gym. Like we're all, it's just the grip house and higher level MMA we're uh, affiliated and James Dillon is basically one of the main coaches in the grip house as well. So, but yeah, I know what you mean with the whole going to TriStar and, um, it's hard because obviously like I've got a family and stuff and I, I can't afford to like move over to TriStar full time. So, um, the main reason I used to go to TriStar was to, uh, maybe get away from the whole family life here. Uh, I have three kids, so wow. I don't need to deal with all that stuff. But the last few fights, I've been I've been able to kind of juggle around it, and my partner's been a bit more understanding on the whole thing as well. Like she was obviously quite new to it all um, in the first few fights, and sometimes we clashed because she wanted like. She felt like if I just came home for training, uh, it's my time to deal with the kids because <laughs> obviously she's had the kids all day. And, but we've got a kind of better understanding on the whole thing now. So, Yeah, I mean, that that's very important. We actually recently spoke with Johnny Hendricks, who's having a bit of a career resurgence, who spoke about, you know, uh, having his wife's full buy-in to, you know, what you have to do to be a fighter. It's it's quite time intensive, uh, so we understand kind of that balance between life and and work that is not your standard nine to five, right? Yeah, exactly, man. That's it. Um, so I want to talk a bit about the UFC returning to Glasgow. Uh, Bisping versus Latis headlined the first card in Glasgow two years ago. It was a big success. By all measures, uh, great attendance. You had your second fight in the UFC. You TKO'd Leonardo Mafra. Uh, how do you feel about the UFC coming back to Glasgow now, two years later? Is there excitement because you get to fight in front of your hometown? Sometimes that cuts the other way. You feel more pressure with all friends and family asking you for tickets. Where's your mindset at coming back to Glasgow to fight? Uh, yeah, it just kind of feels the, the same as the last time. Um, the last time it was really similar I had fought in April um, I came out of the fight like uh, not too hurt and stuff and I had a couple of weeks off and then got back into training for the Glasgow card and it's kind of similar this time uh, I think it's roughly about a week shorter of the distance so yeah I fought in April a couple of weeks off and then back into the gym uh, which that's basically what I would be doing anyway I would be back in the gym training all the time looking to improve but obviously it's Instead of looking to get back into the gym and improving, it's just kind of back into fight camp. But I prefer to stay busy. I hate taking too much time off. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it that, you know, um, they're coming back to Scotland and 
100% I wanted to be on the card. They wouldn't feel the same if um, they were coming to Scotland and I wasn't on it. So, Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. The whole pressure thing, uh, yeah, I could all, I've, I'm not going to lie, I feel the pressure more fighting at home. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than rather than like fighting away, but I I, I believe that you can either uh, feed off the fire or kind of let it drain you. And I'm one of these fighters that um, really feeds off the fire. Um, and obviously, I'm not just saying that. Like the results do the talking for for those sort of things. Like the last time when they came, I got the knockout of the night. Uh, I not like you said. I knocked out Mafra in two and a half minutes. So there's kind of some proof that fighting in front of, in front of all the fans and the pressure, and, uh, you know, it kind of makes me perform a bit better. So I'm looking forward to it. And, and more media for you with this Glasgow card, right? Because I mean, just even scrolling through your Twitter feed, um, it seems like you're doing a lot more media and publicity just just to hype the event, right? Yeah, well, the last, I think, uh, what was it, Wednesday and Thursday there, uh, me, Joanne, and Paul Craig all had quite a bit of media to do. Um, the one good thing is, obviously, it's at home, so I was able to still do my training. Um, there, there were some gaps in the media where I basically had to speak to some papers and stuff, and then I had a gap. And then I would go and train, got some good training in, and then uh, like maybe some TV stuff and stuff uh, that as well. But that's all part of the fight game. And if you want to get to the top and you want to be headlining pay-per-views, then this is the kind of stuff you need to get used to anyway. So you need to kind of get used to the fact that some things are like that are going to be happening and, and to fit your training in as well. And it's all part of the job. Uh, the media and kind of letting everybody see see behind the scenes and what's happening. That's that's the whole part of building a fight show and uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now I have to ask you because I you know you've been doing a lot of media appearances. You mentioned with JoJo Calderwood and then also Paul Craig, who I think you guys kind of have a little rivalry going. Paul Craig, the light heavyweight uh, out of Scotland. Are you guys legit like beefing with each other or is it kind of uh, I don't know how to say it, like uh, almost sarcastic, but I almost couldn't tell if you guys really don't like each other. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, I think the way that it's quite hard to tell is because he is trying to be friends with me. Like when we were doing that mm. awkward Kenny interview the other day, he he thinks we're joking, whereas I'm a hundred percent serious. Wow! So when I was calling when I was calling him a dick. I was definitely being serious with that part. Um, and, like, after the interview, he's, like, giving me a nudge. Oh, it's all, it's all banter, Stevie. It's all banter. And I'm just thinking, no, I hate your gut. Um, so, yeah, like, he's the one that spoke about my kids and my family. So he's, he's not got as much of beef against me than I do with him. So, um, and uh, another... I just don't like him, eh? Like, I even just got told, my coach, James Dillon, just told me today that they were both at a fight show last night and my teammate got beat. Um, my teammate, Jason Woods, uh, just kind of got unlucky last night, got beat, and Paul Craig was, like, sitting laughing after my teammate had just lost laughing at him, giving him the finger, uh, 
and stuff like that. It's just immature as hell. Like, uh, yeah, it's not a very nice thing to do. And and that's, he's just doing that because there's a little bit of beef between the two clubs. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Well, hey, thanks for clearing it up. Because, yeah, I, I was confused. I saw that exact interview you were talking about. And I see what you're saying. You know, he he was making it more into like a joke, and that's why I thought maybe you guys were both in on it, kind of. But uh, thanks for clearing the air, and uh, I get it. You guys won't be exchanging Christmas cards, and and makes total sense. Um, yeah, that's definitely. So so let's talk a little bit about your fight because I feel like we we've, we've almost glossed over the fact that you you know you have a big fight coming up here with with Paul Felder. So let's just talk really quickly about this without giving away too much strategy. Paul Felder obviously a really really impressive striker. That's kind of his uh his MO since he's come to the UFC. Is this a a fight that you plan on banging with him and showing how good your striking is or is this one where you drag it right to the floor and show him how dominant you are there? The the, the way I feel with this fight um He's a bit different to my last kind of opponents. Um, like, Felder likes to come and bang a little bit like the same as Pearson. Um, but more more sort of tie-based. Um, I'd say bo- Pearson likes to box more. Um, but yeah, uh, Paul's... This fight isn't one where I feel like I need to take it to the ground. I'm confident in my, my striking ability and stuff as well. There's a few things that I feel like I, where I'm better. Like I, I feel like I'm, I'll be faster than him. Uh, he kind of uh, tenses up a lot, and everything he throws is power. He wants you to be in the pocket, and you know it, it's a lot of power, power shots. Um, so yeah, I think I'll, I'll out strike him with speed, um, and then obviously if things aren't going well, and and I felt like he was winning the striking battle, then I've got the option to go in and wrestle and, and kind of show that part of my, my game, which I've not really showed in the UFC yet. Um, yeah, most of my UFC fights have all kind of been striking fights, apart from the, the Brazilian blanket that <laughs> lied on me. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like this is just one of those fights where I can go in and, and just uh, do what I do in the gym, see where I feel comfortable and mix it up show some of this stuff yeah absolutely and and this is a fight i think most fight fans are really looking forward to uh it happens in glasgow on july 16th it's stevie ray versus paul felder stevie ray five and one in the ufc do not sleep on him you can follow him at steven ray mma on twitter that's steven with a v and Steve, uh, Stevie, we cannot thank you enough for the time, and we wish you the best of luck in this fight coming up here. No worries, man. Thanks for having me on. There you have it, Gumby. Stevie Ray. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was interesting to hear his side of things about those interviews where it seems kind of tense between those two. I won't spoil the rest of it because, you know, Paul Craig also clarifies his side when we talk to him, which is uh, it's kind of an interesting take. Well, uh, you know, one thing that I wanted to bring up was speaking of emerging markets was I was thinking about it when we were playing the interview was Hawaii. That's a area, obviously, not part of the continental U.S., but obviously part of the U.S. That's a market that they have never run, yet 
you have a legend in BJ Penn coming who fights from this there, weekend. Who fights this weekend, and we'll get to that in a second. And you also have uh, the current featherweight champion Max Holloway from Hawaii. So it seems like a prime time while BJ's still around and kicking to run a Max Holloway title defense with BJ as the co-main in some sort of you know legend versus legend type fight. Yeah, and I I think there's other fighters too that you're missing on there too because on the same card as Max Holloway, his teammate Yancy Medeiros also from Hawaii uh, had a really, really, really dominant win. And then last... Uh, when did Yancy Medeiros have that win? He fought on the same card as Max Holloway. Oh, uh, at UFC 212, yep, right. that's right. Uh, and then last night, or uh, depending on when you're listening to this, Russell Doan TKO'd Quan uh, Ho Kwok in the first round at four minutes and nine seconds. Uh, like a vicious freaking KO. He's also from Hawaii, which is kind of exciting. Not to mention there's other guys on there, too, who are maybe not Hawaiian, but could probably play to that market a little bit, like John Tuck, um, who's from Guam. That's like a Pacific Island, so you're you're in the same kind of range there. You could use Japanese MMA fighters. That card could be built and very, very well publicized in Hawaii. I agree completely. So I think that would be a really cool market for them to run that they haven't uh, explored yet. You know, speaking of this weekend, why don't we talk a little bit about UFC Oklahoma? It actually has a very, this is another fight night, but it has a really exciting main event in Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Lee. Chiesa is coming off a win over Benil Darush, uh, standing rear naked choke. That was back in April. He beat Jim Miller before that via submission, rear naked choke, and got a decision win over Mitch Clark back in April of 2015. So he's 3-0 in his last three. Last loss came to Joe Lazan via that doctor stoppage back in Connecticut in 2014. Kevin Lee is coming off a win over Francisco Trinaldo, also a rear naked Naked choke, beat Magomed Mustafev via a rear naked choke right before that, beat Jake Matthews via TKO, and Efron Escudero via decision. So he's on a four fight win streak since losing to Leonardo Santos back at UFC 194 in December of 2015. Gumby, what are you thinking here? Uh, I'm thinking Chiesa. Uh, while I really, really, really like Kevin Lee, and I think he's, uh, I mean, he's exciting on the mic, he's exciting in his fights, his transitions on the ground are great. I think you're going to see a little bit of a stalemate on the ground because Chiesa is such a beast at defending takedowns and transitions from takedowns. I mean, Benil Dariush is a very, very, very high-level grappler, and he found himself in deep waters with with, uh, Michael Chiesa. So if you run this to the boxing side of things, Chiesa uses his range really well. He sets shit up really well. I think that's going to give Kevin Lee problems to the point where he's going to start making mistakes and getting a little bit desperate to win rounds. Kevin Lee is the slight favorite. You get him at about minus 125 in most books. Uh, Chiesa runs about a minus 105 to as much as a plus 105 as the dog. Uh, So Vegas is pretty split on this. I think it's a razor close fight, and that's why I think it's so exciting. The co-main, you have Johnny Hendricks continuing his push at middleweight, taking on Tim Bosch. What are you thinking there? Uh, I'm pro Johnny Hendricks in this one, and not just because he's a friend of the show, but just when you look at what he looked like at middleweight last time with the improved energy, he's looking looks like a completely new fighter at middleweight versus he was at welterweight. That was against Hector Lombard. Yeah, and I I just think when you see him, when you match him up style for style against Tim Bosch, Bosch is a guy who kind of relies on bullying people a little bit with his strength. I don't think you're going to see him bully Johnny Hendricks. You know, like, he's not going to put Johnny Hendricks up against the cage. He's not going to take Johnny Hendricks down when he's, like, losing a boxing match. 
I don't see him knocking out Johnny Hendricks. You know, Johnny Hendricks is, I, I can't remember other than Steven Thompson, anybody knocking out Johnny Hendricks. So, I mean, he's a beast. I think middleweight is the right place for him. Well, Johnny Hendricks is the favorite. He's about a minus 210 in most sports books. You could get Bosch as a dog at about plus 180. Is there another fight or fighter you would recommend people really keep an eye out for on this uh, Fox Sports 1 card? I mean, I'm really excited for Clay Guida versus Eric Coach. I think that fight at lightweight is super underrated. Clay Guida has kind of gotten a bad rap because he's gotten so many like weird or bad losses over the years, but he was just beating the shit out of Brian Ortega in his last fight before he got knocked out with like, I think maybe a minute left. Um, so he's, he's way better than people give him credit for. And I think training at alpha males helping him a lot. The other one is on the main card. Joachim Christensen is fighting uh, Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes is the dude you just saw on SportsCenter's top 10 with an amazing head kick knockout at RFA. Um, so I'm super excited to see how he looks against some like top flight competition here in the UFC. All right, fair enough. Well, listen, we played Stevie Ray's interview. We talked about a bit of the Scottish beef that's happening between him and Paul Craig. Now let's hear Paul Craig's side of things, and we will play that interview interview for you now. Excuse me. It is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu makes the most thinnest, lightest, durable mouthguard on the market. If you do a high-impact sport or activity, you're going to want to try a Sisu mouthguard. Head on over to sisuguard.com and get yourself the right mouthguard for your sport or activity. Sisu Mouthguards brings you our interview with the Bear Jew, Paul Craig. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte with Flow Combat's Top Turtle MMA, and we are talking with the Bear Jew, Paul Craig, who fights Khalil Roundtree at Fight Night Glasgow on July 16th. Paul, the, the 205-pound division has really gotten a lot of clarity in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Rumble Johnson's out. Uh, Alexander Gustafson, Jimmy Manawa seem to be right at the cusp of a title shot. Volkan Ozdemir's also lurking, and he's got that fight with Manawa now. What do you think about the top of the division right now being as interesting as it is? As it's really interesting, you know, it's uh, it's wide open for them to come in there. And I set myself, like, you know, I said the last time we spoke, I'd like to be in, like, the top ten and would like to be mixing with these guys. And it set me back my last fight, and uh, I'm hoping this fight after this, then I can start making my way back to getting that top ten. Because as you're saying, it's open up. They're needing somebody. They're needing some fresh blood because we look at the top ten, and there's at least, what, four or five guys in there who are old and maybe in their way out. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at, you know, as a a rising prospect in the UFC as you are, when you look at the top of that division, uh, and I'll leave like Jones and Rumble out of this, but when you look at Gustafson and even now Vulcan Ozdemir, who only has two fights in the UFC, kind of crazy, but even Shogun still ranked highly, uh, even Glover, you know, is still a big name. Is there anyone you feel you match up with really well or you'd love to build your name off of as, you know, them having more, uh, you know, of a history in the UFC? Is there anyone you look at and say, I got to fight that guy because I know I match up well with him? You know, for me, it was always uh, I wanted to fight either Nog or uh, Shogun Hua just for the simple fact, you know, growing up, I've not grown up, but when I first started this, they were like, kind of the first guys I sort of seen and they were making, they were like, they were big names within the sport. And I think they'd be an easy scalp for me, you know. I'm young, I'm athletic, right? My last fight didn't show the full potential in me. But going back before that, like nine fights unbeaten, I've got I've got potential and I really don't want to be the guy who came into the UFC and didn't fulfil his potential. So to get a shot to beat one of these guys would be great. Not only that, like I was over in uh, Sweden 
training with Gustafsson, training with Latifi, training with Jimmy Manoa. And I, I wasn't out of my depth. It wasn't like I was in there and I was getting used as a punch bag. That was far from it. It was like back and forward and it was good competitive roles, good competitive spars. So I can mix with these guys. Yeah, and and those are certainly, I mean, they're they're contenders 1A and 1B in the division right now. Yeah, um, man, they're, they're the big dogs. Yeah, so let, let's talk, you know, you've mentioned it twice. Let's talk about your last fight just really quickly. So you, you suffered your first professional loss uh, against a really tough prospect in Tyson Pedro. Uh, a lot of people say they learn more from losses than wins. What what was your mentality like, you know, the first couple of weeks after suffering your first setback? Uh, it was depression, man. It was, uh, it was the worst feeling in the world. I've never felt worse uh, in my MMA career. And it was, I went eight fights as an amateur and then went nine I know as a pro, so that's like that's a, that's a long run, unbeaten, not tasting any defeat. So to get it there in the way I did, you know, I didn't turn up. I messed up. Way. Like I can go on here and I can tell you this is the reason because I've analysed it over and over in my head. I analysed every single thing in that fight leading up to it, and there was a few things that didn't go my way before the fight had even started. But you never go into a fight with attitude like, oh, you know what, I'm beaten, I'm beaten. So I'm I'm convincing myself like, no, no, Paul, you're fine, you're fine. Don't worry about it. So he tasted it there, and the way I did, you know, I didn't turn up, and Tyson Pedro turned up on the night, and I can't take that away from him, but I believe, like, within the next year or so that I will get my rematch with Tyson Pedro, and I'll, I'll sort that zero, I'll sort that loss on my record. Very interesting. Uh, well, you're coming up here, uh, you know, we're about a couple of weeks away from this fight in Glasgow, uh, fighting in front of the hometown in Scotland. Uh, what do you feel going into this fight? Is there is it fun because you know it's hometown? You don't have to travel. Is there more pressure? Are people hitting you up for tickets? What's your mentality going into the hometown fight? Yeah, I learned I learned the whole ticket thing. <laughs> like, see when you say people, oh, I can I can get tickets, and then you just get bombarded with tickets. So, <laughs> like, that's not happening. Um, but you know, it's going to be a lot easier for me. I'm like I'm thirty minutes away from the actual arena. We were over there a few days ago, myself, Stevie Ray and Joanne doing some media stuff like for the ticket sale release. And it's 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 so much it's gonna be so much easier for me. It's gonna be mentally easier for me. I don't have to travel like ten hours to get to my venue to fight. I also don't have to be away from the family. Diet's going to be a lot easier as well. So for me, this is going to be the easiest fight in my full career. Because this is the first time I've actually fought in Scotland. All my fights as a pro have been out of Scotland. So it's gonna be a lot easier for me. You know, you brought up the name Stevie Ray. We actually had a chance to interview him earlier uh, <laughs> as well. And I asked him, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked him. <clears throat> so I saw this media day interview between you two guys, and I couldn't tell if there was legitimate beef or it was kind of a put on. W- what's going on here? Because you'd expect, I mean, the Sun did an article on this. You'd expect like the two biggest Scottish male fighters to be like best of buds, but it, it doesn't feel that way. W- what's the actual relationship like between you two? Uh, it's, it's very very frosty we had uh, we've had some previous beefs with each other in the past I can tell you the reason why I'm I'm, I'm, I'm happy to tell you the reason why um, going back before both myself and Stevie Ray were signed to the UFC because he was telling people that I was jealous that he was signed to the UFC mm. this whole thing went back before we were UFC fighters I had not long started MMA I was a I was an early day pro. I'd maybe had like two fights under my belt. Stevie Ray was fighting for the Cage Warriors Championship, and he was it was it was a it was a household name in uh, Scottish MMA at this point. And he had put up a, a like a just given page, which would be like a charity page, and it was to fund him to go to uh, the states to to train. 
and he'd already been putting on like I need money I'm going to leave the sport all this kind of stuff if you get into this sport for money and I said this on countless interviews you're in the wrong sport so to see him doing this and all these MMA fighters are in the same boat it's not just Stevie there's like you look at the UFC roster there's guys in there who are struggling for day to day to make ends meet and he's moaning like he's the only one and I went on and said why don't you get a job because at this point I was a full I was a full time fighter and I was a high school teacher and I was working my ass off. So if I can do it, why can't he do it? And then he started coming back and it went back and forward, back and forward. I had made a, a few digs about like uh, his just given page and then he'd made up this lie about how I'd insulted his family. The line I said to him was, How about you go and get a job and stop punting out wings, like like stop producing children? I did not say anything about his family, I did not uh, victimise any of them at all. And then it was then brought up a few months ago. And the whole thing started off again. So he hates me. Uh, I think he, as a fighter, outstanding. Outstanding fighter. I can't take it away from him. You know, he's fought two of the biggest names in his division. But as a person, uh, he just bores the absolute. Okay. Like, you, you just spoke to him. He bores the life out of me. He's a born fighter. And he's born to actually talk to. And he's got like two brain cells to rub together. <laughs> wow. Okay. So legitimate beef then. Okay. So that's cleared. And he said, just so you know, he said the, basically the same exact thing because I just couldn't tell in the interview. It almost seemed there was like a joking kind of almost sarcastic moment. But sure enough. Okay. We get it. You guys, you're the Biggie and Tupac of Scottish MMA. Not friends. <laughs> not going to not gonna trade Christmas cards. So l- let's switch gears and, and talk just a little bit about uh, your upcoming fight because I feel like we've, we've sort of glossed over it. So you're fighting Khalil Roundtree, who's coming off an absolutely dead devastating KO of Daniel Jolly. Uh, the UFC doesn't usually match up guys coming off a win and another guy coming off a loss. Do you think that speaks to the confidence that the UFC brass has in you? Uh, I would like to think so. I, I'm not just a, like, as I was we were saying about Stevie Ray and I'm bringing up Stevie Ray again, like I hate the guy or something like that. I don't, but I have, I, I'm, I'm not just a one-dimensional fighter where all I can do is fight. You know, I'm, I love talking to people. I love expressing my passion for the sport, my passion for talking, all this kind of stuff. So, Hometown, Khalil's going to use me to like sort of launch his career back because like uh, people know me as that guy who paints his face, you know, <laughs> that Scottish guy nobody can understand and paints his face. So he's going to be he's looking to launch his career back up because he's the, the few setbacks. It's not going to happen, man. And I believe that uh, uh, the matchup wise, it's a really good matchup for me. Everything goes well in my training camp. Everything goes well in my diet. Then he's getting a he's getting a horrible, horrible fight in front of him. But I know how powerful he is. But everybody in your division is powerful. You know, you've got guys who can hit hard. And uh, I don't know if you've seen who hit hard, the hardest on the actual uh, punching machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I did not see who got number one on that. So the guy who got number one was uh, my friend and the guy I fought last, Tyson Pedro. He got the highest ranking out of everybody in that uh, fighters' conference. So everybody can hit hard in your division. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not I'm going to stand there and allow him to tee off in my face, which is like never going to happen. I'm going to be I'm going to be hitting and moving, and he knows this. He knows what my game plan is going to be. You know, everybody's fought has the same game plan. And that's what I'm going to do. And it goes to the ground. It's just going to be a world of hurt for him. It's going to be horrible for him. And and you you predict that this winds up being a fight on the ground in in a quick night for uh, Khalil Roundtree? No, I don't. I don't actually see that. Like I I, I can't strike. Um, 
I never showed it in my last fight, but I have got I've, I've got really good boxing, and for him to land a shot on me, I don't think it's going to happen. I know he's got long limbs, but I, I don't think he's as long as me. Um, he's six one. I know all these sort of statistics because my coach tells me them, and I think it's going to I think it's just going to go my way. I don't think he's going to be able to just lunge forward at me the way he has and the way his previous opponents. Well, it's it's an exciting fight. Uh, the card is UFC Glasgow. It's July sixteenth. There are a lot of good fights. You have uh, yourself, Stevie Ray. You know, carrying that flag for Scotland. Yep. Both fighting on this card. Uh, Paul the Bear Jew Craig fights Khalil Roundtree. Fight Night Glasgow on July sixteenth. Paul, as always, we can't thank you enough for the time. Always great catching up with you, and best of luck in this fight, guys. Thank you very much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. There you have it, Gumby. Paul Craig. Yeah, and it was uh, it was interesting to see his side of the Stevie Ray ordeal because I mean they both basically said the same thing, just put like a different spin on it, which is which is interesting. It was interesting. I think they just had a misunderstanding about intentions and maybe it was sort of he said he said and well, and, and he mentioned a little bit about the gyms rivalries too, right? Because they don't tra- train at the same gym. There's a little bit of Scottish gym rivalry. It's certainly interesting. I'm gonna put you on the spot. If you were drafting a team of Scottish MMA fighters. And you had to build your franchise around one. Who do you think has the brighter future between the two? Oh, okay. I'm glad you said between the two because as you were posing that question, I was thinking my number one draft picks, Jojo Calderwood. That's a great answer. <laughs> Don't say any more. That's a great answer. I happen to like Jojo Calderwood I just as think well. She's, she's so marketable, right? She's got that like quiet little Scottish voice, and she's but she's a killer. And she's a killer in the cage. I mean, that, if you were building a market there. Jojo Calderwood is the face of it, and it's no offense to either of our two no, guys. Of I course. love those two guys, but Jojo Calderwood has just got it all. No, they're both great, and I think they would admit Jojo has a very bright future as well. It's interesting, though, you know, just to see who might emerge from that market as as the future star. Let's turn our attention now, Gumby. Uh, Bellator is actually doing a pay-per-view this weekend. That's right, a Bellator pay-per-view. It's headlined by Matt Mitrione versus uh, Fedor Emelianenko. At least that's my main event. I guess their <laughs> technical main event is Chael Sonnen versus Vanderlei Silva. Let's start with Fedor versus Mitrione, though. What do you make of that fight here in 2017? Fedor Emelianenko at Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, against Matt Mitrione. Uh, I mean, it's really interesting to me that you use the word in 2017, because if you were talking about this fight in 2012 and you were talking about Matt Mitrione fighting Fedor, you'd, you'd laugh at this fight, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now we're looking at it and I find myself leaning towards Matt Mitrione. Me too. Mostly just because I, I think the striking is the difference here. You know, if you look at Fedor five years ago, his striking's crisper. He's got that killer instinct. He's mixing in the grappling enough so people aren't thinking entirely about his striking now not so much right like his hands are slower and mitrion's hands are fast mitrion's hands are fast he's really progressed he's 2-0 and in bellator since leaving the ufc i know the competition was in top flight i'm looking at it right now ali thompson carl simona tufala uh, i'm sure i didn't say that right and then of course fedor is coming off the quote-unquote win over fabio maldonado did Who, not look great in that fight it was Fa- a dis- it should be said though that fabio has excellent boxing yes and and maybe maybe not exactly like Mitrione's, I think he's a little bit more of a volume puncher versus Mitrione being a power puncher, but they both have that like similar technical boxing side to things, only you get hit by Mitrione and you're done. I think Fabio is a hard hitter as well. I just, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't want to go into a breakdown of Mitrione versus Fabio's striking. What I will say is that 
I would call both of them striker first. Yeah. You know, neither of them are going to take Fedor to the ground and test his uh, Sambo and Judo you, skills. You wouldn't want to. <laughs> so, you know, I think at this point, maybe you already said it, Mitrione is faster than Fedor at, yeah. at this juncture in 2017. And that's what I think will be the difference. The co-main event, I just do not care about at all. Chael Sonnen coming off the a loss to Tito Ortiz. <laughs> we'll see Vanderlei Silva for the first time in three years. Uh, what do you make of that fight? What could you make of that fight? The only only time you've seen either of them in the last three years is that just absolute shit show of Shale Sun and losing to Tito Ortiz. So, I, I mean, like, if that's the Shale that shows up, who knows what Vanderlei shows up. So it could be both of them looking like shit. I actually stand corrected. It's been four years since we saw Vanderlei. Oh, He's God. coming off that win over Brian Stan. Kind of a fun fight, actually. He knocked him out. Lost to Rich Franklin before that. But, you know, I just recall a couple of years ago, and I've said it on the show before, the UFC tried to run this fight as like a third from the top. Uh, during fight week, I think it was, in the card that was headlined by Weidman versus Machida and Rousey versus Alexis Davis, if I'm not mistaken. The fight got scrapped because one of them popped for steroids, both of them popped for steroids. I don't care. But <laughs> it just goes to show you that, you know, that would have been a uh, middling fight in the UFC's world of pay-per-view. Four it was years ago. Four years ago, and now Bellator is trying to run a pay-per-view with it. I just, I don't know, it does nothing for me. What other fight on the card maybe gets you going? Uh, I, I think the really exciting one is Lorenz Larkin versus Douglas Lima. Sing I, it, sister. I, I think that you know their striking styles are both super, super entertaining, uh, and it's going to be a banger. And, and I think that's the kind of fight that Bellator needs to showcase as if you're going to pay to watch, you know, a common fan is going to pay to watch Fedor, be like, oh, these are the guys we have too. And I think if they're... If they were really smart, they would have put that as the headliner of Spike leading into the pay-per-view. Because I could see some, like, you know, regular, everyday fans who maybe don't watch a ton of MMA happening to stumble on Spike TV, watching those two throw down hard and being like, oh, maybe I could dish out 50 bucks to see what else this company has. You know, like, but instead you headlined it with, what is it? Have the, the Spike card is Bader, Bader versus Phil Davis? Uh, correct. Will be, yeah. like, the main event of the Spike card, and that could end up as a very grapply wrestling fest. Yeah, nobody's going to watch that on Spike. I don't believe. Nobody is going to watch that on Spike as the headliner and be like, oh, man, I got to watch the rest of this card. And that's no offense to either of those fighters. They're super high level, and it's definitely got implications in the top 15 in the world for, for light heavyweight. But at the same time, it's not dragging that common fan in. Uh, also exciting is Aaron Pico's debut against Zach Freeman, who's eight and two. So Zach, Zach Freeman is a hell of a dude to have to be. I was going to say uh, RFA that dude. Like RFA is like the you know smaller promotion here, and he's going to have to face off against a guy who had a title fight in RFA. So there are some interesting things on the card, but yeah, I agree with you. Maybe the placement of Davis versus Bader, that that seems more pay-per-view-esque. It's going to be five rounds, not so much on Spike. I think Lima versus Larkin has the potential to be that fight of the night. And you also have Michael Chandler versus Brent, Pri Brent Primus, who's 7-0. and That could be a fun fight, too, the lightweight, uh, but that's also a world title fight, so five rounds. Yeah, and I, I think, again, that one would be more publicized if Chandler was against the guy with the bigger name. Not that Primus isn't deserving of his title fight, but... Michael Chandler's fought Eddie Alvarez and other big names like that. So, like, to give him a guy that maybe we haven't put any marketing dollars behind is tough. 
Well, nonetheless, it'll be an interesting weekend. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, we will be back next week with another show. We thank you so much for listening. You can follow the show, Top Turtle MMA, on Twitter. Feel free to email the show, MMA at Gmail. We're accepting both love and hate mail. We so appreciate the listenership, and we will be back next week. Thanks so much for listening.